Well, it was Christmas, and I was about 10 years old, and little did I know at the time, but I was about to receive the best gift of my life. Now, my family has this tradition that for Christmas, you should try and open as many gifts as possible. So when we sit down, we have like this massive pile of gifts, and you think, oh, wow, like you guys going to get like an amazing truckload of gifts? Well, we just wrapped everything individually. So like one gift would be batteries, one gift would be like a pair of socks. Like it was very elongated process. But the last gift would always be kind of the, the ultimate gift. You'd kind of build in a sequence for the, the big finale. And sure enough, that year when I was 10, my last gift was the ultimate Swiss army knife. It's called the Victorinox. Anyone seen this knife before? It can do anything. It's like three inches thick, and it's got like some weight to it. It's got over 33 functions, including a scissors and a ballpoint pen. How great is that? I was, I was smitten, and I really took that little knife, and I put it in pride of place in my bedroom. It was like that thing, like if there's ever a fire in my house, I'm going to grab my cool Swiss Army knife. I bring that thing camping with me whenever I could. Um, it was amazing, but I didn't know what half the things in there actually did. I just kind of open them up and look at them and think, huh, that's so cool. I have no idea what it's for, but I'm glad it's there and tuck it back in. You know, I, I've had that knife, I still have it today, you know, for, for years and years, and it's still in fantastic shape because I've barely ever used it. I don't really know what it's for. I've got this massive utility uh, option in front of me, yet I'm not kind of a bit clueless of how to actually put it into to work in life. What about you? What would you say if you thought for two seconds, what is the greatest gift you've ever received? Think for a minute. Could be a, a present you opened recently or a long time ago. What's the greatest gift? Now, obviously, it won't compare to my cool knife, but no judgment, you know, we each have our own things. But today, we're going to try and continue in our series on the, on the Holy Spirit by looking at what it means for the Spirit to be a, a gift giver, to offer us something of, of a gift. And the gifts that the Spirit gives can, like my amazing Swiss Army knife, often be left underutilized, where we have this amazing resource and we're not totally sure how to apply it in the world. So today we'll try and unpack it a bit of what kind of gifts does the Spirit give and how can we use that in the world. If you've been around church for a while, you've probably heard of that phrase, spiritual uh, gifts before. But if it's newer to you, the idea is that every Christian shares in the, the Spirit of, of Christ. And to share in God's Spirit, that's the, the unique presence of God right here in this moment, is to share in his, his gifting and his life being expressed in us. That expression is, is a gift. So here's a text from Scripture that outlines how we can think about spiritual gifts. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed. And no one can say, 
Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to still another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit. And he distributes them to each one just as he determines. Now, the first time you, you read that passage, it can feel like it's a little bit clunky. Like a lot of these phrases repeat again and again. But I want to try and break it down for us by asking two very simple questions. One, what are spiritual gifts? And then two, why do they matter? What are they and why do they matter? There have been a lot of surveys done, you know, across Canada and throughout the world around people's faith. And the category often pops up spiritual, but not religious. I mean that there's people who are open-minded to things that might be, you know, otherworldly, but don't fit into a traditional religion uh, structure. Now, spiritual gifts aren't about that kind of generic, transcendent use of spiritual. When you think about spiritual gifts, think capital S spiritual gifts. They are gifts of the Spirit, not a a generic category of heavenly things. These are things that the Spirit offers and, and brings about in us. Spiritual gifts actually aren't really about us. It's not about kind of the things that, you know, you're good at. It's about how the Spirit, how the life of God is expressed in you. It's primarily about the Spirit. So now, if you're trying to figure out if someone is alive or not, let's say you're, you know, working in the some sort of paramedic setting. You got a few options. You can check for, for a pulse. You can check for breathing. You got the right tech. You can check for, for brain activity. Some sort of indicator, indicator that this person is alive. And the idea of spiritual gifts are some sort of indicator, some sort of expression that this person is alive in the spirit, that God's spirit is at work being expressed in them. Now, if you hear that and you get a bit nervous, thinking, oh, wait, is, is God alive in me? Am I expressing signs of the Spirit? There's some good news. Paul writes, uh, the bar here is in a pretty encouraging place. He writes this, no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. It's kind of encouraging for those who are able to say Christ is Lord. Not those words are hard to say, but to say it in, in your heart that you can submit yourself to the, the leadership, to the mastery of Jesus. If you can say that, that itself is a gift of the Spirit. It's the Spirit who enables that to be articulated and lived in reality. It's, it's true by definition that if, if you are a person who is in Christ, you share in God's Spirit. 
So uh, what does that mean for how we kind of sit in this space today? I think a lot of us think that maybe God is going to withhold some of his gifts for us, or maybe he'll reward us if we do the right kinds of things. That's not at all how the system works. It's not a withholding or rewards-based system. It's just gift. Anyone who invites the Spirit receives the Spirit. It's as simple as it is. If you would like to receive the Spirit, you can simply ask for the Spirit by naming that Jesus is Lord. All right, so let's get into some of the kind of the, the brass, the brass tacks here. How do you figure out what gift you have then, or what expression of the Spirit might come through your life. Now, I think this is where there's a bit of, of art in the whole equation. The Spirit adapts to every person. Each of us is unique in this space, and the way that the Spirit is expressed in our lives will be different for every person in this room. We've got a different sense of, of conscience a different sense of reasoning. We've got different stories and different thoughts. And the Spirit, often the Spirit's work is, is linked to some of our natural abilities, our natural wiring. But sometimes it's not. It can be something different. Let's go through the list here of these gifts that are, that are named here in 1 Corinthians 12. The list here is it's a little bit intimidating at first, at first blush. Wisdom, knowledge, faith, healing, miraculous powers, prophecy, distinguishing spirits, speaking in tongues, interpreting tongues. These feel like they're very big, expressive gifts. Wisdom, the idea of, of God's insight in certain contexts. Knowledge, hidden things being revealed. Faith, a unique confidence in God at, at all times. Healing can be the, the curing of a physical or emotional, relational illness. Miraculous powers, big things like raising the dead, commanding nature, expelling demons. Prophecy, speaking God's words. Distinguishing spirits, discerning truth and untruth. Speaking in tongues, this idea of, a, of a, an utterance, a, a language of the heart as a way of trying to align oneself with God. Not having words that your brain understands, but emotive language that you offer towards God. And the interpretation of tongues, trying to explain that heavenly speech for the good, the good of others. Now, this list here isn't at all exhaustive. Those aren't kind of your your options to choose from, to think, all right, so which one of those gifts will be expressed in my life? Paul gives a bunch of lists in his other books, and they're, they're all different. He includes things like leading and administration and encouragement and helping. Paul could have easily added another eight or 12 things to this list and still wouldn't be done. It's not meant to be an exhaustive list, but meant to say, hey, God's life will be unique in every person. And part of the task of the Christian is to discern what will be the unique flow of, of God in my life. Let's do a quick little case study to imagine this. So let's picture here at UBC, someone new comes into the community, and they happen to be a professional teacher. Now you might think at first, oh, this is perfect. You should join our kids program because you could take that skill 
that you have, you developed and use that for our kids right here in our community. Or if somebody walks in who happens to be studying finance, you could say, oh, perfect. You should be put on our budget committee. You could use all that knowledge of numbers and put the good use here in our church. Now, that could be a great correlation, or it might not be. This is where we got to figure out what is the Spirit offering. Perhaps that teacher needs some time away from kids and time to develop a different kind of strength. Maybe it's going to be singing on the, on the worship team. Perhaps that finance person could grow best by doing pastoral visits to those who are stuck uh, at home. Sometimes our natural abilities give us clues about how the Spirit will work into us. And sometimes it's just going to be a surprise. Something different. Something unexpected. I've done a lot of those spiritual gift inventories. They're kind of like these little assessment can do where you try and figure out what sort of gifts might be at play in your life, just how the Spirit might work in and through you. And I think those gifts, uh, gift assessments, are really helpful to try and prompt your imagination. But keep this in mind. The gifts of the Spirit can really vary throughout your life. You don't get pegged into having one kind of gift and that's your thing. Seasons can shift. It can, it can shift them based on the needs of the community, on the season of your own life, on the developmental work that you put in to try and, and craft a, a gift. The danger of those inventories is thinking there are gifts that you don't have and will never have. That's never the case. Every gift is always on offer. And we're trying to figure out what's the unique gift that God has for me to express or to grow into. I know for me, if I'm at home and the, the dishes are piling up in the kitchen or if the budget is needing some attention, and I say to my wife, oh, love, I'm sorry it's such a mess here with the kitchen and our finances are so out of whack, but... It's just not my gift. Like, doing dishes, I'm sorry, it's, it's not the thing I'm good at. And I just, I don't like balancing budgets. So, I'm sorry, it's just not for me. You can imagine that's not going to go over uh, so well. Um, these things just need to get done. Not that it has to be done perfectly, but we've got to figure out how do we offer some sort of effort towards these things with grace. A lot of Marriages can get burned out on the tug of war between who should be doing what. And the, the same thing goes for churches. It's easy to get burned out trying to think about who should be doing what. And there's often a few folks who do a lot of activity and a lot of folks just aren't totally sure what to do. Here's something I've really come to digest that's been so helpful for me when it comes to spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts are not boundary markers that help you know who you are and who you are not. Spiritual gifts are ways that the life of the Spirit flows through your body, energizing you, fashioning you into a servant. Lyra is a person from our 10th our community, and she's been attending for the last uh, year here uh, at 10th. 
And one day at a Sunday service, we announced that we had a need for some more PowerPoint operators. Can you imagine that? Needing more PowerPoint operators? Yeah, it happens. It's a real thing. Um, and so after the service, Lyra came up and said, hey, I'd love to be a part of the PowerPoint team. She said, oh, that's great. Do you have a, a background in tech? She says, uh, no, I, no, I don't. I said, oh, do you, do you happen to use computers a lot with, with work? I said, uh, no, no, I don't. I said, oh, okay. And you can see that I was kind of wondering what's the connection. And she said to me, hey, I'm just happy to help. I'm, I'm here to serve and I'm happy to learn however I can be of benefit to the community. And I think that is a great example of a spiritual gift. Not that someone has the, the training or the natural inclination, simply the desire to say yes. And that responsiveness is a, is a great sign of the Spirit's work. There's one great problem that we hit when it comes to spiritual gifts, and that's the idea of, of hierarchy, that some gifts are valued more than others. You know, even in a setting like this, we've got somebody who's got a microphone. I'm preaching. We've got a worship team. It's easy to think that these gifts are elevated or somehow have a greater influence than the other gifts around us. The very word gifted implies that there's others who are not so gifted. It can be a, a dividing kind of term. And it's easy and very common in church life to look left and to look right and think, oh man, I wish I had that kind of a gift in me. I wish I could be doing what I see that person doing, that my life looked more like that person's life. You know, as a, as a preacher, I can feel that, knowing that right now there are literally 10,000 sermons being preached this day all over the planet. And this will not be the best one. There will be other sermons in other contexts. We will be hitting it out of the park. People will be laughing and crying. These amazing moves of the Spirit. But that's not what I'm being called to. I could easily sulk in that, thinking, I don't have the world's best sermon for today. But what I'm called to do is to offer what I think is God's Word for us here at UBC. It's a unique context of us being in this together. I think that's the best frame for spiritual gifts. Nothing about, do I have this better than anybody else? But what would help us? What would help us as a group grow? Help us develop, feel encouraged, feel fortified in our faith. I was at a funeral just yesterday for, for Evan Chung. Um, Everyone's on our staff team at 10th. He was just uh, 18 years old, and he died by suicide. It was one of the hardest funerals I've ever been to um, in my life. And he talked about in his note left behind this crippling sense of, of perfectionism, of wanting to have everything in its right place. People shared about Evan's life, and it was so clear that he was an incredibly gifted person. He had such a hard time seeing that and trying to internalize the reality of those gifts. No matter what gift you have, you'll always find somebody who's got 
more of it. That's just how it goes. It's not about trying to be the best. It's about trying to be faithful in the building up of those who are around you. There's always someone who's a better communicator, who's more generous, who more naturally inhabits mercy. That's okay. It's not, it's not the point. We're not here to try and dominate others or to impress each other, but to simply show up as we can for each other's good. So how do you break out of this problem of gifts around hierarchy and around the development of, of envy? I think there's an important solution here. Paul keeps saying in this passage again and again, it's the same spirit that informs every gift. So whether you're a preacher or a garbage cleaner, you know, a worship leader or a PowerPoint operator, it's the same spirit that flows through you. Here are some words from John Chrysostom called the golden mouthed preacher. He said this in the fourth century. Even if the gift bestowed on you is less than the gift bestowed on someone else, the giver is the same. And therefore, you have equal honor with him. It is the same fountain from which you draw refreshment. Spiritual gifts are just that. They're gifts. It's not about you as a person. It's about the spirit at work in you. You can't take credit for your accomplishment, for some sort of spectacular responsiveness to God. I keep thinking about Evan since he, since he died. And if I had a chance to, to talk to him one more time or to try and say something to him, what would I, what would I say? Or what would I say to those who are in my life who are thinking about suicide? And I've just been so hit by how the pain of suicide extends so deeply out into the world. The ripple effects are massive. And life is incredibly hard. For each of us, we have unique hardships. But I honestly believe that in every hardship, a new gift can still be found. You can't exclude the work of the Spirit. That there is always an opportunity for the Spirit to create something, to cultivate something. And that's kind of why we show up in these spaces that we gather on a Sunday morning, leaving our routines, not just sleeping in, to say, Spirit, would you cultivate something, something in us, bring out something new, something good that would be for us, for our, our common life together. And the Spirit does have gifts in every season, even the dark ones. All right, let's go to the, the second bit of this kind of uh, frame here. Um, those are the spiritual gifts, kind of the list of them. Why do the gifts matter? What's, what's the whole point of this? If we miss this, what's, what's at stake? Well, we read right here in the text, now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Spiritual gifts aren't about our personal validation to make you feel good about yourself. It's about the common good to try and raise up the community. Christians are, are tied to each other by definition. For you to be a person who submits to Christ is then to be a part of Christ's body. You are implicated relationally with everybody 
in this room. That becomes part of our collective imagination. How do we share a blessing, a mutual encouragement, a way to support each other and, and move forward well? There's a great quote here from theologian Lee Barrett. He says this, Christianity is not a religion of spiritual lone rangers or narcissists. Rather than fostering a purely private ecstasy, the gifts are bestowed in order to build up the church. They are intended to be publicly communicable, publicly shared, and publicly enjoyed. We've got a bit of a a dilemma today in that so many of our lives are, are segmented into individual portions. We all try and self-manage and self-contain. And church is meant to be that place. We come together. We, we share our worship. We share our prayers. We share our money. We share our problems. And we share the spirit of Christ. Raywin Whitley has said this, Gifts are not merit badges for holiness or as signs of approval from God, but God's response to the needs of our community. There will be things that only we can address for each other here in this space. And that requires us getting to know each other, to figure out who's next to us. What are our stories? How do we journey well together? How do we try and map out what the Spirit is doing in each of our, each of our stories? So let's say you're, you're trying to figure out, all right, how do I discern what is my spiritual gift? You know, I could do one of those inventories, one of those assessments. How do I try and map out what the Spirit might express in my life? I think here are three, three good kind of points to try and consider. One, can you think about a place of need? Like, what's, what's a gap right now in the community? What's a place you think, oh, this probably could use some support. Where is there a bit of a, an open space? Two, do you have a, a personal passion? Like, is there a desire, something you, you're drawn to that you find compelling or interesting? And three, is there a place for you to grow, to develop, to try something, to expand your vision and your dependence upon God? I think those can create a common intersection for where God's spirit might be able to be expressed in our, in our very own lives. You know, I felt that in my own life. I, I didn't want to be a pastor. I, I didn't grow up with that desire. I didn't sense that, that call. There was a, an intern spot that was open. I needed a job. I thought it'd be nice to have some money. So I did the internship. I got some nice feedback and some nice affirmation. And that internship became a part-time job. Started to grow a little bit. And then with that kind of that feedback loop into all of my insecurities, I started to feel more of a passion for pastoral work. I started to feel more of a call for pastoral work. It wasn't this kind of, you know, amazing baptismal moment where just it all, all the lights came on. But it was a slow evolution, a slow discovery. I think finding our gifts can often feel that way. You just got to try it out a bit. Kind of play with it, experiment, try and be imaginative. What might the Spirit have on offer to be expressed through you? Now, why does it matter we get this right? The stakes are incredibly high. This is how God 
will touch the world through the life of his spirit at work in his people. You know, if, if we miss out on the idea of expressing the gifts of the spirit, we miss out on the, the whole redemption story we're invited to be a part of. This can't be, you know, put down into, you know, tier three of priority list. This is the life of the church, the spirit being expressed in each of us for our common good. Paul's rationale for spiritual gifts is really deep. Read this in the passage here again. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit distributes them. Different kinds of service, but the same Lord. Different kinds of working, but in all of them and everything, the same God at work. Can you see it there? It's a, it's a Trinitarian formula. You've got the Spirit, the Lord, and God. Paul here is saying, when you distribute and express the gifts of the Spirit, you are exhibiting what God is like. Offering diversity, unique expressions in the unity of the Spirit. It really matters. This is where we get to practice what it means for us to actually be the church, the body, the body of Christ. I read this week about a, a German sociologist called Hartmut Rosa. How's that for a name? You know he's going to be smart when his name is Hartmut Rosa. And he's got this really compelling idea where he says, modernity is about the process of speeding things up. That we're all caught up in a system where things just get faster and faster and faster. But ironically, the more we try and have technology to help us save time, we find ourselves with greater time shortages. Why is that? We have all these unique possibilities and potentialities for how to use our time. Limitless options. And we get crippled by that. Then we have to move faster and faster to pursue those possibilities, which creates this great anxiety and pressure. He says, we move faster and faster just to stay in the same place, or perhaps to regress. The picture of kind of walking up an escalator that's going down. You're actually going nowhere, or perhaps moving backwards. I find that really apt for my own life. You get on that hamster wheel of just being busy, trying to get things done to find that your list is, is endless. There's always more things that need your attention, that need to be sorted out. What is the Spirit saying to that? I think spiritual gifts are meant to be subversive to this idea of speed up, accomplish more, get things done. We stop and we say, what could I do here for the common good? What is the way I could spend myself here for the good of someone else? I know them deeply or know them in a more cursory kind of way. This last week, uh, one of my daughters had a, a concert uh, at her school. She was in kindergarten, and so they had the kindergartens uh, go first. So she goes up, sings her song off the stage, I look at my wife and think, you know what? The concert goes on for another hour and a half. Like, are we going to stay here like, and watch a bunch of kids we don't know that we're not connected to? Like, we're tired. Like, I guess let's get done. Like, probably just grab our, our kid and go, shouldn't we? 
felt some social, you know, awkwardness about leaving. Thought, ah, maybe we should stay. Be committed to the school, try and show some school spirit. So begrudgingly, we're kind of sitting there, just trying to get through the minutes, get through the hour and a half. And when the the grade threes got up to go and sing their little song, they had this little refrain. They said, I am enough. You are enough. We make space for all of us. And they sang it again and again. And by the third time, I started to get emotional. I was like, I don't even know these kids. But it was this idea of, oh, I actually needed this. I needed some space in my life to not just try and get the list done, to try and be absorbed into my own worlds, but to think about what's the common good here? What's good for us? And I guess it, I'm enough. You are enough. We can make space for all of us. And as we share these gifts of the Spirit, something is has awakened in us a, a different way to be attentive to life of God in and among us. What's kind of amazing is right after this passage of these spiritual gifts and this encouragement to use the gifts comes the most famous passage, maybe in the whole Bible, 1 Corinthians 13. It's a chapter on love. Love is patient. Love is kind. You know, you hear it almost at every, every wedding. This is what sets up how to live in love in the world by trying to offer a gift of the Spirit to someone who's around you. Finding your spiritual gift is figuring out how do you love somebody well? How do you love God? How do you love your neighbor? That's, that's your gift in the world. When you try and imagine, how could I bless somebody? If you think about making them a meal, giving them some money, giving them an encouraging text, going to hang out with them. Whatever it comes to your mind, that can be your expression of, of God's life in the world. You know, are you, are you a singer? Show up in love. Are you a preacher? Show up in love. Can you do some PowerPoint? Show up in love. Are you going to do some cleaning after the service? show up in love? Are you asking God who he might have you show mercy to today? Show up in love. Are you praying? Show up in love. In, in the spirit, we have all been given a gift. And now in the spirit, we all share that gift that we could all be made alive in the one we name as Christ. Now we're, we're going to be a, a hodgepodge group. We're going to all have different stories, different burdens, different problems, different anxieties, but we have a common centering purpose as we try and look towards the way of Jesus, as we try to look towards the cross. We orient ourselves to try and live in the unity of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And the church, I think at its best, becomes like that little Swiss army knife where you've got all kinds of utilities, all kinds of different expressions that each work together in this diverse unity for the, for the common good.
They've got to be accessed for the life of God to flow through them. So let's, let's end by praying together and maybe I'll, I'll lead us in a, a bit of a response for how to invite God to express his life in and through us. Let's pray. God, we want to be a church that, like you, demonstrates diversity within unity. Speak to us about how your spirit would, would energize us to see a, a place of need, to know a, a personal passion, to understand an opportunity for, for growth. Subvert our rapidly paced lives to make space for you and for each other. Free us from, from envy and spiritual ranking. But as we share your spirit with each other, as we serve each other, would your gifts flow through us that it would become clear to us and to the world that you, Jesus, are indeed Lord. Be Lord over us and use us to shape each other and to shape the world. We pray in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.